Good morning and welcome everyone to the City of Palm Coast uh, Council Workshop. Today is uh, Tuesday, December the 14th, 2021. It is now 9 a.m. and we are in the uh, community wing. If you would all uh, please rise and join me for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. <clears throat> the clerk would call the roll, please. Mayor Alfin. Present. Vice Mayor Branquino. Right here. Vice Mayor Branquino is appearing remotely uh, due to extenuating circumstances. Council concurred unanimously at the last meeting to allow him to be present at both meetings today. Um, and allowed to participate in vote. Councilmember Barbosa. Present. Councilmember Danko. Here. Councilmember Klufus. Present. Mayor, all members are present. Thank you. We now move to the uh, public participation section of our agenda today. Um, and I would invite any member of the public that would like to address City Council to address the podium at this time. Robin McDonald, City of Palm Coast. I've been coming to these meetings for a, a long, long time. And we've seen some good times and we've seen some bad times. But as we get ready to enter 2022, I can only hope and pray that the city leaders and the city employees continue to do the job that they did under extraordinary working conditions. We have the very, very best, and we need to keep it that way as we go into 2022. We've had some fights, we've had some arguments, we've had screaming, we've had yelling, we've had the mayor banging down the gavel. No, that's got to stop. You guys are all here to make sure that we all stay safe and that everything gets better because this is, this is the best city in the state of Florida. And we depend on you guys to keep us that way. And you've got the best employees. It doesn't matter what department it is. Nobody should ever complain about our city workers. Nobody. Because if they think that they can do a better job, let them do it. And I understand that sometimes people don't agree with each other. But when you walk through that door, that big brown door out there, leave your attitudes and your opinions out there. When you come in this land, this is like this is like a church. This is sacred land. And I understand that sometimes 
you know, things get out of line. But we need that you need we need you guys to keep us going straight and strong. That's it. Happy New Year. Merry oh yeah, can you say Merry Christmas Merry The Christmas. same to you, Mr. McDonald, and thank you for your comment. Are there any other members who wish to address City Council at this time? My name is Dan Bryant. I live uh, on Crossgate Court uh, in the C-section. And I wanted to address the uh, Cimarron Safety uh, Committee and uh, what the, uh, some of our concerns. I've had a, uh, I'd say, kind of an unfortunate uh, series of uh, events where I was no longer writing every morning on, the, uh, on Cimarron, which I do at uh, 7 o'clock every morning because I broke a couple ribs. So I had six, yeah, no fun at all, but I had six weeks of no writing, and now I'm back uh, writing again. And what I've noticed on that section of Cimarron is, my gosh, all of the snowbirds are back. And so not only is a lot more traffic on that road, but we're also seeing along Cimarron, and you've all probably seen it, there's a lot more construction going on. And so we're having a lot more tradesmen vehicles as well as the regular uh, lawn service, pool service, vehicles going by, but I'm noticing a lot more pedestrians and a lot more um, people walking dogs and cyclists on that area. So I'm getting a little bit more concerned uh, as the year is uh, going on and we're seeing more and more people coming back. So uh, one of the things I've noticed is the signs which were put up uh, were very, I think they are effective, and if you know the Cimarron, if you, when you uh, pull into Cimarron, there's about a uh, half-mile straight stretch that goes to a curve. Past that curve, people are behaving pretty well. Uh, however, before that curve and after coming out of Cimarron, rounding that curve, I don't know what it is about a straightaway, but it's almost impossible to people go 30 miles an hour on a straightaway. Um, and so that's actually the section that I'm worried most about. Also, there's a school bus that makes a, uh, makes a right into there every morning. And uh, have a little bit of concern about uh, having uh, vehicles both whipping down that, that uh, I guess it would be southernmost part of Cimarron, and those coming into Cimarron can be picking up a lot of speed. So my request would be, if only temporarily, if we could put something there, maybe a flashing light or one of the uh, speed sign, monitor, monitoring signs like we have on uh, Florida Park. I think that might be a very positive thing, if only as a temporary measure, measure for the folks who've come back from being snowbirds. And uh, that's about it. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comment. Any other members of the public uh, like to step forward at this time? Good morning, everyone. Mike Martin. I live in the L section. Uh, I just want to comment on the previous gentleman's comments. Uh, I have spoken to the Flagler County Sheriff's Department, and they say that if you will contact them, if you have concerns about speeding on any roads in their jurisdiction, if you call them and give them permission that they will come out and set up a radar detection even on your driveway, on your property, to try to catch people. So I would encourage anybody in the city who's concerned about streets where people are speeding, contact the Flagler County Sheriff's Department. I think that they'll help you. They'll certainly seem to be willing to try. So thanks. Thank you for your comment. <laughs> Any other speakers at this time? 
Seeing none, I will close the uh, public comment section of the agenda, and we will move on to uh, presentations. And before we begin this morning, I'll take a moment to explain the City Council's objectives for having workshops every month. The Council meets in workshops to be well informed of each item to be brought before the City Council and to make the best determination on behalf of all city residents. City staff presents detailed information during the workshops and provides a summary background for each item, as well as any additional documents relative to the item. The City Council can then have a meaningful, collaborative, <coughs> healthy discussion on each item presented. This way, facts and knowledge can be obtained prior to the next business meeting where City Council then makes the best determination in the interest of the citizens' health, <coughs> safety, and welfare on each item. As we continue to grow as a collaborative council and follow all council meeting policies and procedures, I will always do my best to make sure that every council member has an opportunity to bring forth <coughs> to bring forth individual opinions. Sorry, I'm having a little trouble with my uh, mouth this morning. Our constituents are expecting council to communicate cohesively and with the civility to serve our community. The workshops are a valuable tool to present and discuss our individual opinions on behalf of all residents and achieve these objectives. We may not agree with each other, but that is one advantage of the workshops to evaluate all the information necessary in advance of a decision, a motion, and a vote at our next business meeting. I hope that we will all understand the purpose of these workshops, and I invite all opinions at all times on the dais. Thank you. Our first presentation this morning, if... Uh, Councillor, would you uh, sure. read the title for us? Yeah, this is the title of an ordinance for a presentation, first item. This is an ordinance of the City of Palm Coast, Florida. Establishing the Seminole Palms Community Development District pursuant to Chapter 190 of the Florida Statutes. This ordinance provides for the functions and the powers of the district and designates the initial board of supervisors of the district. Lastly, the ordinance provides for severability conflicts and for an effective date. Thank you. Good morning, uh, City Council members. Uh, Ray Tyner, uh, Deputy Chief Development Officer. This is for uh, Community Development District establishing uh, a CDD within the City of Palm Coast. This CDDs are actually the processes dictated by state law. Uh, we don't have any processes kind of illustrated in our land development code or code of ordinances. It's strictly uh, regulated by, by the state of Florida to establish a CDD. It's been a very long time since uh, Community Development District was established in the City of Palm Coast. We currently have three of them. Uh, Grand Haven was the first one that we have, um, which was a DRI. Palm Coast Park uh, has a, an existing CDD, and Town Center here uh, has a has a CDD. So this morning at the at the workshop, uh, Senior Planner Bill Hoover will go through our first one, our first item. We have two um, items today related to community development districts and establishing them. First one is Seminole Palms. Uh, Mr. Hoover will go through uh, general information on the CDD and it's going to be followed um, by the applicant has a really good presentation 
on what a CDD is, uh, how it's established, and gets in a little bit more of that detail, not only for, for you, but primarily for our citizens too, to, to understand what a community development district is. And then uh, the next applicant will also you know, have a presentation. Some of the information may be pretty redundant, so I think we're all going to be experts today on what a community development district is after, after the uh, workshop this morning. Uh, the one important thing about a community development district and an establishment of a community development district is that there's no obligation from the city of Palm Coast in our citizens whatsoever. You know, it's a financing mechanism for that specific development to help finance that. But with that said, I'm going to have Mr. Um, Hoover start the presentation for the similar Palm CDD. Mr. Tyner, before Mr. Hoover starts, uh, you mentioned that the it's been a very long time as we're aware, that since a CDD has been created. Can you just give us a short brushstroke as to why such a long period of time? I think it's, um, you know, I, I think it's, um, you know, it's been a long time since we've had some larger developments as well. And I think with the construction cost uh, accelerating and a lot of the infrastructure being put in from a financing standpoint, I think... Um, the market is right, I, I believe, to establish these community uh, development districts. And I, I would not be surprised if we s start seeing um, more of those where they're actually helping the finance, um, the development with the new infrastructure in there. So Very good. Thank you. Yep. Mr. Hoover, when you're ready. Good morning. Seminole Palms uh, MPD was approved by City Council on November 2nd, and this approximate 240-acre project is located west of Seminole Woods Boulevard and south of the uh, Flagler County Executive Airport. Uh, in early November, they applied for the uh, Seminole Palm CDD, and it's basically a funding mechanism to uh, for the infrastructure for a 529 home community and the Florida statutes chapter 190 uh, sets up the standards for a local government to establish a community development district also known as the CDD and, and it's essentially a special purpose unit of government and it's used to acquire finance operate and maintain the infrastructure in a large planned community. Uh, probably the most key advantage is the developer can obtain low-cost financing by issuing tax-exempt bonds. And uh, as Mr. Tyner pointed out, the city has no obligation to repay any of the infrastructure debt. And then once the infrastructure is completed, it's managed by a five-member board of supervisors. Uh, Florida law requires potential purchasers of real estate within a CDD. They have to be notified upfront in writing of the infrastructure cost and the annual payments. And then those payments are made to the Flagler County Tax Collector's Office as an assessment. Uh, as far as public participation, the city has run uh, two news ads before uh, today's special meeting, and then we'll run uh, two more before the January 4th second meeting. And uh, Florida statute requires the applicant to run 
four news ads uh, once per week, uh, four times before the January 4th uh, <coughs> public meeting. We have not received any communication from the public on this uh, project. Planning staff recommends that City Council determine the Seminole Palms Community Development District petition. It's in <coughs> compliance with Florida Statutes Chapter 190 and the City's Comprehensive Plan and approve the ordinance establishing the Seminole Palms Community Development District application number 4973. And the applicant's team does have a PowerPoint presentation. Well, good morning. Um, it's good to be with you. My name is Jer Earlywine. I'm with KE Law Group uh, here on behalf of the petitioner for the Seminole Palms Community Development District. I think uh, Mr. Hoover and Mr. Tyner have done a nice job of kind of introducing the CD concept, and some of this probably will be a little bit redundant. Um, but we're going to talk um, about the project briefly and talk about some of the advantages to the city and also the, the uh, residents of the, of the community uh, for, with respect to the CD. So just to get us started, um, and as Mr. Hoover mentioned, this particular project is located just off Seminole Woods uh, Boulevard. It's on 240 acres and planned for about 529 uh, residential homes. It's a, it's a beautiful project. It's going to have enhanced landscape and enhanced uh, hardscaping um, and enhanced amenity with resort-style pool and cabana and all the other things you'd normally expect from a, um, a master plan community <coughs> like this. Uh, and that's in part due to the existence of the CD. Uh, the other key feature that I'd like to emphasize is that this community development district will allow us to install the extension of Citation Boulevard, which I know these approvals are already in place, but just to remind you that Citation Boulevard will help um, uh, extend uh, the road all the way out to Seminole uh, Woods. The advantage to the city is that it's actually going to save you all a fire station because you have that, that through traffic. So it's a nice project. It'll save you over $4 million uh, from that perspective. The CDD can help uh, bid that construction uh, and actually uh, pay for it. Um, there's offsites about over $2 million as well as some transportation impact fees. The CDD can do all of that. And also once the um, road is in place, the CDD can do the maintenance and keep that kind of high level of standard for that thoroughfare uh, looking really nice, which is um, sort of part of the development plan. Just stepping back a minute, though, and to get into some of the things that Mr. Hoover mentioned, um, a community development district, um, as he mentioned, it's, it's a special purpose unit of local government. Uh, it's established under Chapter 190 for the purpose of constructing, acquiring, operating, and maintaining uh, public improvements, things like roads and boulevards and um, stormwater ponds, utilities, all those sorts of things. And the way it works is once you approve it, um, the developer sits on the board in the early years, just like it would um, a, a homeowners association. The city's board will authorize the issuance of tax-exempt bonds. It's the same bonds that you all issue as the city. Uh, it goes out to the same market. Um, they're spread over a 30-year period. And then they use the, the bond money to build all the infrastructure, to build the roads and the stormwater ponds and the utilities. And then after everything's constructed, the CD operates a lot like a homeowner association and becomes the maintenance entity uh, for those items. Uh, it's just a better maintenance entity than a homeowner association, which we'll talk about here in a minute. 
to repay the bonds. Um, and as Ms. Ruber said, there is a special assessment uh, levied on the property within the boundaries of the CDD. It's only within those boundaries so that growth pays for itself. Um, and that assessment gets paid for uh, through the uh, tax collector. Um, tax collector remits the money back to the district, and we pay our bondholders over time. And you say, okay, well, that's, that's great, Jerry. I understand how a CDD works, but how is it going to benefit, um, uh, benefit the, um, the city and the residents and whatnot? Oh, and let me, uh, let me back up one other step. Um, so I have a slide in here talking about what a CDD can do, and I think you all are pretty familiar with CDDs from the standpoint that they can do a lot of different things. They can build roads and stormwater ponds, utilities. Uh, they can build amenity centers. Um, they can uh, do hardscape, landscape, irrigation. They can pretty much do anything that's in a development order um, and that's it, uh, a public uh, infrastructure component. So that's, that's kind of the, the scope of what the CDD can do under Chapter 190. You see here our uh, improvement plan. Uh, this particular project uh, with the off-site roads and everything else is fairly expensive in terms of uh, infrastructure. Uh, costs are up quite a bit because of the uh, inflationary environment uh, and, and the, all the construction that's going on in Florida and the supply chain issues. Um, so in any event, that's our uh, construction cost, and obviously the CD helps a lot with that because, because we're using taxes and money, the money just goes a little bit further. We'll talk about that here in a minute. The other thing I would point out, again, I'm going to get into the benefits here in a minute, but the CD will not impinge on any of the city's authority or powers, so you all will retain all of your uh, police authority, all of your zoning approvals, all your permit approvals. The CD um, sort of sits in the shoes of the developer doing the public infrastructure, and then it acts as a maintenance entity. So it's a financing entity, and it's a maintenance entity, but it's really not a regulatory entity like the city, right? It's not going to issue permits or approvals, it, it, the city will have to come to you for all those same permits and approvals just like the developer would uh, to build the uh, public improvements. As Mr. Hoover mentioned, uh, under Florida law, it's very clear that the city's debt obligations cannot become an obligation of uh, the city. Uh, that's uh, in there. <coughs> of course, the city's debt is not like a TIF or something else where it shows up on your books. It doesn't show up anywhere on your books. It's an independent entity completely separate from the city. All right, now we're getting to benefits. I'm jumping ahead there. So the way I think about the benefits from a CDD, there's really three buckets of benefits. There are financial benefits, there's uh, some default uh, protection, and then there's also all these ancillary benefits that makes the CDD a much better maintenance entity uh, than a homeowner's association. And really under Florida law, we'll look at the statutory requirements later, but the, the key decision you have to make is, is this entity, this CDD, the best alternative for delivering community improvements as compared to, for example, a homeowners association, because that's really the other alternative, right? And the answer is it clearly is for all these, these reasons that we're talking about. In terms of the financial benefits, because the CD has the ability to access the taxes and bond market, uh, because they can spread the cost over a 30-year period, um, the money just goes a little bit further. So if you notice, CD communities typically have nicer uh, amenity packages, they have nicer entry features, better landscaping, they're just a better package. And in this particular project, um, that's, that's essential because the, there's a fair amount of infrastructure and we're also doing that Citation Boulevard work, um, which, which I think the CD can help with and help those construction dollars go further, especially given the um, it, uh, economic environment that we're in now. So those are kind of the financial benefits. I would point out, too, once the residents take over the CDD, just like they would a homeowner association after a period of time, uh, they'll, they'll have access to that same taxes and bond market. And when they need to go back and fix the roads or refurbish the stormwater ponds, you know, 20 years from now, they can go out and access that same bond market and save themselves some money again then. So, again, there's some good financial incentives to having the CDD in place. 
Beyond that, there's also default protection in a traditional HOA developer development. If there's a recession and, and things go belly up, um, you know, there's no money in a traditional development, right? The, the developer's gone belly up, you're in bankruptcy, and that's it. With a community development district, though, the money's actually held in a trust estate account with U.S. Bank, Regions Bank, a certified trustee bank, and the money can only be accessed through a strict requisition process, signed off on by an engineer, signed off on by the chairman. If uh, bondholders are involved, um, they'll oversee that, the trustee will oversee it. So it's much more protected. And what we saw during the Great Recession, when there was um, some defaults in both CDD and HOA projects, the CDs did great because they had money there. Um, some some of the CD uh, construction accounts were used to, you know, finish out a phase of construction, finish a road that was under construction. Uh, some of them used the money to keep their amenity center open, uh, to water their landscaping, so they didn't have millions of dollars of landscaping die. Uh, they even paid for foreclosure costs to get those projects back into, more, into productive use more quickly. So while it's not a perfect structure, it's a better structure than developer HOA structure when it comes to default scenarios in recessionary environments. Um, the, and, and before I get to the third set of benefits, which really is more directed to um, uh, kind of the comparison between CDs and HOAs and how they uh, help residents, I also just wanted to point out, obviously, this project, for, with, from the city's perspective, we have all the benefits from the Citation Boulevard construction, the fact the city can bid the project, can do the work, pay for the work, and then maintain the improvements going forward. I think that's a huge plus. It'll save you all a ton of money. Um, it's also going to increase your tax base, obviously. It, it doesn't show up on your books. It allows growth to pay for itself. So all these different benefits are up here, uh, and I'm happy to, to speak to them if you all have questions on any of those. Um, we talked about the benefits from Citation Boulevard. That's actually a picture of Citation Boulevard now, um, and we've spoken about that already. Uh, benefits to residents. I'm actually going to use the next slide here to talk about some of the benefits. <clears throat> so we talked about the financial benefits. We talked about the default protection. And then I want to talk about all these ancillary benefits that residents get from having uh, uh, a CDD in place. Because once you're, uh, uh, you know, a lot of residents really do prefer the CDD structure over an HOA for, for so many reasons. One of the biggest reasons is that they can collect on the tax roll. A CDD can collect on the tax roll unlike a homeowner association. So if maybe the HOA hasn't you know, set the reserves aside quite right, or maybe there's some sort of catastrophic event that goes through, like a hurricane or something along those lines, or they're going back to refurbish uh, infrastructure. Uh, you know, an HOA... Hours, <laughs> minutes, Apparently, I'm still running. I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, my time was better than that, I promise. So, um, <clears throat> so as you're... Um, as you're thinking about a CDD versus an HOA, the um, CDD's ability to collect on the tax roll is very powerful. Uh, in, and in fact, if you go to Marion County and Clay County, those counties actually, Marion County in particular, will require you to uh, establish a CDD on a large uh, project like this. And the reason is because they've had so much trouble from homeowner associations coming to them and saying, hey, we can't fund this refurbishment project. We didn't set aside reserves. We're trying to put, you know, put out bills and collect. We just can't collect. It just doesn't work. In fact, the last establishment I did in Marion County, the item just before the one that I had was a homeowner association coming to ask for an MSBU, a municipal service uh, taxing benefit unit. Uh, to be put in place so they could collect on the tax roll because HOAs can't do it. They're really hamstrung in that regard. And so Marion County actually have to have a CDD. Clay County encourages them as well. They got stuck with a lot of HOA roads after the recession. So there's these jurisdictions around Florida that are really seeing the, the value. And this is one of the big benefits is to be able to collect on the tax roll. 
Beyond that, though, CDs have sovereign immunity protection. Um, they're, um, they can get FEMA funding under certain circumstances. They're very transparent because of the sunshine laws and public records laws. Uh, we mentioned uh, default protection up there. But overall, they just maintain a higher standard of, of, of um, value for the homes and whatnot. And it's just a more powerful, more robust entity. I actually had a community down in southwest Florida that had um, come to me. It was a very small community. It was under 200 lots. And when it's under 200 lots, you kind of look hard at the project to make sure a CD really makes sense. Um, this particular project, they'd asked me, they said, well, look, we've been around for 30 years. We uh, have paid off our, our bond debt, and we've got the CD and the HOA, and we just don't know that we need two maintenance entities. I said, no problem. Well, I can help you dissolve it. Well, I go to do the presentation and talk about dis dissolving the CD, and all the residents got up and started making all these arguments. I thought they had gotten one of my old presentations or something and, and were making those arguments. And the chairman backed off. He said, well, I don't want any controversy in our community. Let's, let's just leave the CD in place. Well, a year later, Hurricane Irma came through, tore up all their stormwater ponds. They got a six-figure recovery from, uh, from FEMA uh, because of that. And then uh, they also uh, decided that they needed to you know, fix their bridge up, too, and they used uh, tax exempt money to, to do that. So that CDD is still there to this day. My point is, once people are involved in the CDD and they really fully understand it, um, you know, they really do like the value that they see from the, from the CDD structure. It's just more powerful and, and a better alternative than an HOA. Um, one of the things that we get asked about a lot is CDD transparency. You know, how do people know that they're getting uh, into a CDD and what they're really getting into? The fact of the matter is, CDs have been around for uh, 30 years. There's 800 uh, of them in Florida right now, um, and, and people are pretty familiar with them. Um, there's a ton of transparency. About five years ago, the legislature, the one issue that they, they went back and revisited was they wanted to make sure there was a robust uh, disclosure about CDDs. So they really fixed that issue about five years ago and codified that in the statute. So, uh, the CDs, obviously, as Mr. Hoover said, they've got to be announced in the sales uh, materials. It's on your closing statement. Uh, there's a, a ton of um, disclosure that I know Coulter does individually. Beyond that, though, we're now required to have public websites so you can get all the assessment information and uh, financial information online. Uh, there are um, public meeting notices, mailed notices for new assessment hearings. There's a ton of recordable documents uh, disclosing the CDs financings. So you can see the long list of, of transparency items that are up there. So that when people are coming to buy into a CD, they can look and say, hey, you know, I know there's an extra assessment here for the debt. Um, you know, does this make sense versus the community across the street? And they can make that decision and let the market kind of dictate that. Uh, and that's, that's kind of how it works. So um, the last uh, slide I have up here has to do with the establishment criteria. So under floor law, um, as Mr. Tyner said, the establishment process is completely governed by state statute. You see the six statutory requirements up here. Most of them are quite straightforward. You know, is the petition true and correct? We certainly ours is. Um, you know, it, will the facilities be consistent with uh, existing facilities? Obviously, they are. We're going to hook into the um, you know city utilities and obviously Citation Boulevard is going to be a connection there. Um, you know, is the um, landowner minimal to? Uh, the CD, absolutely. Are we consistent with the land use plans? Absolutely. So all these elements are met. The last question that um, people uh, talk about is, is the CD the best alternative? And I think I described all the different benefits of the CD. 
you know, again, it's not a perfect structure, but if you compare it with a homeowners association, which is the only other alternative, it's way better, both from a financing perspective, it's gonna make the project more enhanced, it allows to uh, create Citation Boulevard, just the way we described, and then it's a much, much better um, operating entity than a homeowners association. So, with that said, um, that's the balance of my presentation. We're happy to answer any questions you have about the project or about the CDD. Good, thank you, a very detailed presentation. I would ask uh, City Council, any questions at this point in the presentation? Not at this time, not here. Um, <clears throat> I appreciate all the uh, detail you went into on why a CDD is superior to an HOA. I'll just play <clears throat> devil's advocate and ask the question from a different perspective. Is there a situation or a set of circumstances that would make an HOA a more advantageous choice than a CDD? And there may not be. I'm just asking from a different perspective. I, I think that there is. I think if you have a real small project, like let's say you've got hundred unit project um, there is an operating budget for a CDD and operating budget for an HOA so for example my community that I spoke of down in southwest Florida they had 190 units and so you look harder at a, question, a project like that because you know you got to spread both budgets over over you know so many units if you have over 250 units it almost always makes more sense to have the CDD if it's under that number you got to look pretty hard at it but a real small project a CDD doesn't make sense appreciate that thank you yes, understood sir. And I have a question. <clears throat> so I'm aware that uh, local CDDs here in, um, actually in the, in the city of Palm Coast, received FEMA funding for catastrophic damage following uh, storms. Um, is that money, would that money have gone to the city if the CDD did not request it? Or is that a special and a separate pot of funding that we, is, is that a benefit? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it would go to the city or not, to be honest with you. I know if it was a private gated community that had um, stormwater ponds, my understanding is those communities cannot get FEMA funding. Uh, the, the CDDs, because they're public in nature, can get uh, FEMA funding. So if, I think if you're looking at a hard gated HOA community, they're probably not getting the FEMA funding. Whether the city gets the funding or not and whether you all can use it on the HOA community, I don't know the answer to that question. Because my, my, my memory serves me, they were, uh, it was instrumental in the cleanup of, uh, of one of our communities. Uh, um, you don't mind? Yeah, go ahead. Mr. Mayor, I think you're referring to Grand Haven CDD. I actually manage Grand Haven as the district manager. And Introduce uh, yourself. Uh, my name is Howard McGaffney. I want to thank the council and the mayor for allowing us to be here today. Uh, Grand Haven had a unique uh, incident where we had back-to-back -back hurricanes. I think everybody here remembers A1A getting wiped out. I remember taking my family there, looking at it, going, this is, this is devastating. Grand Haven had its own set of circumstances with stormwater uh, strains and uh, a lot of debris that had to be removed. Uh, similar to what uh, Mr. Erland was talking about, similar to what a county or city does, we entered into a disaster debris removal contract that is very strict requirements for an RFP process. Had we not had that RFP process, we probably would not have received the FEMA monies that we received. We had over $600,000 in debris removal at Grand Haven between Matthew and Irma. And as a result of, the, uh, of a long, arduous task of trying to uh, get those funds from FEMA, the district through uh, efforts of the district management and the uh, attorney were able to receive right around uh, $400,000 to $500,000 in FEMA monies back, which we hold in reserves because we all know how FEMA likes to, to audit. So 
Uh, had we not had that mechanism, mechanism in place, had we not been a special purpose government, the outcome would have been drastically different for Grand Haven. So <clears throat> you were proactive to help yourself and took some of the strain off of the city during that, uh, that traumatic period of time. Actually, the city was pretty uh, intricate and involved in how we were able to recover from that because of the relationship that Grand Haven has with the city. We, um, at that time, we were piggybacked off of the, uh, I think it was four C's at the time, the contract for the debris removal. Since then, we were able to, because the chairman was able to help negotiate that as well, uh, that piggyback situation, we were able to recover very quickly. And again, because of the RFP process, we were able to to recoup the funds, but now we're on our own um, Good. agreement. Okay, thank you. Thank you, sir. Any other questions at this time? Um, I would uh, open up for uh, public comment. Are there any members of the public that would like to speak to this uh, presentation? Good morning, uh, Charlie Erickson, Palm Coast. Uh, having uh, successfully completed eight years with the county, I can tell you there's one thing uh, that uh, the developer here might uh, want to do, and that is to contact the uh, county and work with the airport as to the airport does not have a good reputation in that particular area. There was one fatal uh, plane crash there eight years ago caused by uh, some problems with another airport sending the plane that they should not have sent the plane up there. But there are numerous complaints by local people just about the noise in the airport. And I can tell you the airport will continue to grow there. In fact, there's 40 new uh, uh, barns going up to house small planes. And it might just benefit the developers to take some time <clears throat> with finding out from the county some of that information. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Uh, any additional members of the public like to speak at this time? Seeing none, we'll come back to City Council. Any uh, further questions uh, on the presentation? Okay, then uh, I would ask for a, uh, a motion at this time. Well, we're not, this is a workshop. I'm sorry, Your Honor. No so, motion, you're right. so, so we're um, my we're, bad. We're well, I think we're considering that uh, at the special meeting, if I'm not mistaken. I'm ahead of myself. That's yes. okay. Councilor. So, you would like me to read the title for the next agenda item? Fair enough. This is uh, agenda item number two, E2, presentations. This is the uh, uh, ordinance establishing the Seminole Palms Community Development District. The title is as follows An ordinance of the City Council of the City of Palm Coast establishing the Seminole Palms Community Development District pursuant to Chapter 190 Florida Statutes, providing for functions and powers of the district, designating the initial Board of Supervisors of the district, and providing for severability conflicts and for an effective date. Mayor City Council, again, this is for Palm Coast 145, uh, wanting to establish a community development district. Have Mr. Hoover has a similar presentation, kind of shows you where the project is, and then followed by the applicant as well for this presentation. So, Bill. The Palm Coast 145 rezoning uh, to single family was approved by the City Council on July 6th. The 145-acre project is located on the northeast side of U.S. Highway 1, south of Beltaire Boulevard and west of Karras Trail. Uh, 
in early November. They also submitted an application to create the Palm Coast 145 CDD for uh, 334 single-family homes uh, infrastructure. And I won't burden you with that. And then uh, planning staff does recommend that the city council determine the Palm Coast 145 CDD petition is in compliance with Florida statutes chapter 190 in the city's comprehensive plan and approve the ordinance establishing the Palm Coast CDD district uh, application number 4972. And the applicant's team does have a PowerPoint. Good morning. Jonathan Johnson of the law firm of QTech Rock. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Uh, as the benefit of batting cleanup behind your staff and Mr. Earlywin, I feel like I should just kind of come up here and say what they said. Um, and, I, and I will try not to, uh, to bore you with too much additional information. I, I did have the benefit of cleaning up our PowerPoint a little bit and cutting out some of the redundancy. So I'll just hit a few brief minor points on the project <laughs> and on um, districts. So you just I don't need to show you all the same maps about the project location and where we are, uh, and I won't hit many of the same topics. I will talk about a couple of things just to reiterate what Mr. Earlywine said. One of the things that's different about doing a project within a CDD is how much transparency occurs. And so when you bring a real estate development into uh, a CDD, you, your, your constituents, and ultimately our customers will all have access to what's going on at the project. So You'll receive copies of budgets every year. Audits are made available. Decisions are made in the sunshine and under the public records law. So anyone who wants to know what's going on at any particular time at, uh, at this project will have access to that information. That is one of the things that we think is beneficial to the public. It comes at a cost. Uh, developers have to learn to deal with public bidding and the public construction of infrastructure, um, the procurement of public construction bonds and all of those things. But we think that that cost is worth it. The other point that I make generically about community development districts uh, and other land secured districts of this of this type, if you look uh, annually at RCLCO, who puts out the list of the top, you know, the, the, the largest selling communities in, in, the, in the country, and you parse that down to Florida, um, every year the top five, if not more, are projects that have community development districts or a similar district in place. And the reason for that is that districts are economic development. Um, they allow the low-cost construction of infrastructure, as has already been discussed, which means, frankly, that because that money is raised up front, it's held in trust by an independent trustee. It can only be used in the project. You know that the improvements are going in, and they do go in in a quicker and more orderly fashion, which means the tax base for the city goes up, the project is a success sooner. Uh, and for, for those and, and many of the reasons you've already heard, uh, we're excited about the opportunity to use a community development district for the financing of this project, and I'm happy to answer any questions you have about our specific project. City Council, any questions? Uh, same presentation, I think, pretty much. Okay. Not here. Thank you. Any member, uh, count, uh, Vice Mayor Branchino, any questions? No, sir. Not at this time. Thank you. Are there any members of the public that would like to speak on this presentation at this time? 
Seeing none, close public comment. Back to City Council. No further questions. Very good. Thank you. Okay, Councilor, if you would, we'll move on to item number three. Mayor, this is a resolution. It's a resolution of the City Council of the City of Palm Coast, Florida, approving an interlock agreement with Flagler County regarding marine land acreage drainage and roadway improvement project. The resolution authorizes the city manager or her designee to execute the agreement. It provides for severability for conflicts for implementing actions and provides for an effective date. So we have a presentation. <clears throat> yes, sir, Mayor. Good morning, Mayor. Good city morning. Council. Um, I'm Steve Flanagan, your utility director. Um, it gives me great pleasure to be in front of you to present to you these two interlocals with Flagler County. And I would like to start by saying it's been a recent pleasure to deal with the new management staff with the county. And today we have in our presence Miss Faith Alkitib. Spit that out a little bit. Our county engineer, as well as we have Jorge, Mr. Jorge Salinas, chief of staff with Flagler County, and I appreciate them coming in today to support. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Uh, so, with all that said, we'll get started on uh, the agreements. The first agreement is the basically what I call the beachside extensions agreement. Um, so on March 11th, 2021, public law number 117-2, the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, was signed into law. Included in that act is public health and economic impacts of the same. And subtitle M of the act created the Coronavirus State and Local Fiscal Recovery Fund to provide $65.1 billion in direct funding to counties. Flagler County is a recipient of funding under the CLFRF. The act provides that the CLFRF funds may be used to make necessary improvements to water and sewer infrastructure. The county has identified two capital improvement projects consisting of certain improvements to the city's water and wastewater utility systems in order to provide an adequate minimum level of service to areas of the barrier island which are presently not served by centralized water and wastewater services. One of the major goals of water and wastewater utilities to, is to be a good steward of the environment. Some of the major benefits of these two improvements Thank, thank you, Mr. Doug. Uh, is the environmental uh, reduction of nitrogen and phosphorus in the waterways. This improves the water quality in the waterways. It benefits the environment greatly and helps to avoid problems like the environmental problems, algae blooms and such, that many of us have seen in recent history, mostly in South Florida. Now, when it comes down to it, nitrogen and phosphorus are great when used in the right places, but can cause these major problems when released in quantities in our lakes, streams, and rivers. 
So this also reduces health risks of untreated wastewater flows on the barrier island, especially during flooding events. Septic systems become overloaded and, and spill over, causing health problems on streets in our neighborhoods. Another benefit would be that an increase is the capability of the city's wastewater backbone system on A1A and makes expansion further north in the city's service area more financially feasible and helps to reduce these wastewater spills. Now these next three slides were uh, given to us by the county and much appreciated. And what they tend to show is you'll see in them in order. The first slide is from the year 2000. And it basically what it shows is the septic systems and how the fluid out of the septic drain fields <coughs> migrate into other areas. So the first slide, as I said, is from 2000. And it, sh it basically shows the drain field liquid from and the nutrients in the wastewater flow did we lose our screen, Doug? Wake back up. Uh, so, I think we moved on already. Okay. So, the first slide, as I said, is from 2000 that shows um, what impact the year 2000 was showing in the drain fields of these septic systems and where they were migrating to. Now, as we all know, we've had a lot of growth since the year 2000, and much of it to the benefit of our communities. But this growth is not so much of a benefit as you'll see in these next two slides. There's much more impact potentially to our environment as you get to the year 2021. But if I go back real quick here, 2000, 2011, and 2021. So part of the reason why we felt that this was good information to provide to council and the public is to bring centralized wastewater to the beach side is a major environmental benefit for the long term. Now, some of that has already happened in the past from the Hammock Dunes Bridge to the south. We were able to get the Beverly Beach area, Painters Hill area on improved wastewater sent to our wastewater facilities. So now let's get into some of the real meat of what's in here. So the first one here is the extension of the city wastewater line to the Hammock Community Center and the Malacompra and Bing's Landing Parks. So this project entails the extension of a sewer force main owned and operated by the city northward along State Road A1A from a connection point at Jungle Hut Road to Malacompra Road, then turning eastward continuing along Malacompa Road to the Hammock Community Center 
and the Malacompra Park property. This extension is roughly two and a half miles in total wastewater uh, line. This extension will also provide access to wastewater for many other properties between Jungle Hut Road and Malacompra Road and will extend up to the Bing's Landing property. Roughly 25 or more commercial properties could benefit from this extension. And many of these properties actually are communicating with the utility as we speak and are excited of, of this extension and to be able to either build on their vacant property or convert their drainage system over to centralized sewer. Next up here, we have a slide that shows basically where the project, where this sewer force main extension would connect at Jungle Hut Road, which there was just a fairly recent extension up to the Jungle Hut Road for a little uh, 50 lot subdivision right at the corner of Jungle Hut and A1A. And then it would uh, run to the north up to Malacompra Road turn eastward as we discussed and potentially be able to provide uh, ultimately service to <coughs> the community center, the county park, and Bing's Landing. Uh, now those would all be separate agreements that come uh, in the future after the main part of this infrastructure would be completed. The next, the second project is, of the two projects, is located further north on the Barrier Island. This project entails the extension of municipal water supply line and a dry sewer line owned and operated by the city from State Road A1A right away westward along old A1A into the Willow Woods neighborhood and then along the full lengths of Elizabeth Drive, Windy Lane, Deborah Lane, and northward along Rollins Road. Flagler County will fund both of these two capital improvement projects. That will include the design permitting, CEI services during construction, and the actual construction costs. The city will uh, have a future budget amendment uh, that will be required due to that this project was not in our five-year capital plan. So we'll come before you sometime after the first of the year for that budget amendment. But ultimately, the costs for that budget amendment will be paid by the Flagler County funds. The city will then manage the project, the planning, the design, the engineering permitting, and the construction of the project. The parties will adhere to all the requirements of the ARPA Act. <clears throat> then after the design permitting is complete and we go out and do bidding, it, should the bidding cost of the construction be higher than the approved funding set forth in the agreement, the parties may amend the agreement prior to award of the construction contract or of one or both of the projects. Excuse me. Uh, last time I thought you said that they already started this. No, we're, that that's the second ILA, okay. Councilman. 
This project has not started at, at all. So the map before you now shows the uh, Willow Woods subdivision that would have the water line and dry wastewater line extended to it potentially. Uh, it's located, like I said, uh, in the northern portion of the Barrier Island, just north of Washington Oak State Park and immediately adjacent to Matanzas, the Matanzas Shores community. Now we're getting into the one that already started, Councilman. So the second interlocal uh, is with Flagler County as well, and it's for the Marineland Acres uh, area. And this is the second phase of the county's uh, roadway and drainage improvements project. Before you now, you have a, what I call a vicinity map to give you a general idea on where this project's located. It, you see hammock dunes there, and then as we move for, further to the north, sea colony, and the Marineland Acres area is immediately adjacent to sea colony just to the north. Uh, and then it also has uh, Washington Oaks State Park right next door across the street to the west of A1A. The next map here is the a little closer into the area of the Marineland Acres, and it shows uh, all the streets associated with the Marineland Acres area. So this area was hit hard. You heard talk about flooding and storms and the impact and the dollars uh, earlier in your presentations today. But this, this area was hit extremely hard in recent years by flooding due to hurricanes and tropical storms. It has a poor drainage system that only works marginally well and needs improvement. Flagler County undertook some of that improvement in uh, previous phased major drainage system improvements a few years ago and completed the first phase of their project. This is phase two of the county project and it is now, the construction is actually now underway um, and it has been for roughly six to eight months. Um, and the city utility water line is now part of that. So included in the county's phase two project were stormwater and roadway improvements. The stormwater and roadway design improvements actually necessitated the relocation or adjustment of the existing city water distribution system. In this area, the city is the water service provider in the area and is the holder of the service territory for the Marineland Acres area. And based on actual state statutes, it is the responsibility of the utility provider, and that doesn't just mean water and sewer, that could mean power and others, to relocate their facilities when a roadway project is proposed for construction. After completion of this project, the county will execute all documents needed to effectuate the transfer of ownership operation and maintenance of the relocated utility lines to the city. The next slide here talks about how some of the funding 
uh, is proposed to work for this project. And it was kind of a unique situation, you might say. So the Flagler County funding portion, uh, after, after the roadway and stormwater designs were completed, we looked at the water main system, and it was determined that basically the entire system needed to be uh, replaced because there would be way too many conflicts in the system to, if you will, patch it in place. So working with the county, the county uh, agreed to pay the designer of the stormwater and roadway improvements $132,000 in change to actually design our water main relocation. In addition to that, the county agreed to fund the construction engineering and inspection services during construction, which is over a two-year time span of $152,000 in change. After some of the discussions uh, with the city uh, the county s went back and requested additional funding from the state for this project area and were able to get over, over 775000 additional dollars towards this project. So in total, the county is going to fund over a million dollars basically towards the relocation of the water main in this subdivision. So let's talk about a little bit about the, the actual construction costs. How much is the city paying for it? Uh, what, what is the part of the city total, please? Councilman, I I'll get through that if you don't mind. I'll get through this whole slide and then I'll answer any question because it'll come up in this slide as we go through it. Hey. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. So the total construction cost is over $1.64 million. Out of that $1.64 million, the county is paying that $775,000 that they were able to get additional funding towards the actual construction. This leaves $865,000 in change for the city to fund. So let's talk about the city funding portion now. So the total cost for the city, the remaining cost of the improvements or construction is $865,000, uh, just over $865,000. Now we ran a calculation to determine what additional value the city benefits from having a new system versus a 35-year-old system. And the additional value that comes to the city by having a new system versus a 35-year-old system is roughly 680000 plus. So after the city realized that added value, the actual city cost after realizing the added value is roughly $184,000 in cost. Can you elaborate a little bit more in what's added city value? What is it? I will, I'll go into that slide right after this one, Councilman. Okay. So uh, an additional beneficial uh, bit of information is that the 
city yearly revenue from this community and water rates is <coughs> roughly $218,000. Now, we get into the slide that talks about the added value comparison. Part of what the added value comparison is based on, it's based on a 35-year-old system. It's also based on that pipelines and fittings will last roughly 100 years. It's also based on that hydrants, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke, pipe and fittings, I think I did anyway, pipe and fittings, and I want to make sure I'm clear. So pipe and fittings will last roughly 100 years. Valves and fire hydrants, more like 50 years. So our engineering folks ran a calculation, and it's all on this spreadsheet on how many feet of this size pipe, how many feet of this other size pipe, how many valves, how many fire hydrants are within this community. In addition to those calculations being made on new versus old, some of the other benefits that the city is actually getting from this is there'll be additional fire hydrants already installed that we would have installed later at our expense. The bigger benefit really to this is, or one of the bigger benefits is, back when this whole system was installed, service lines actually weren't placed to the individual lots. So every time a home builder or home owner goes to the county to apply for a building permit, we receive an install. So our crews have to go across the bridge drive up there with large pieces of equipment to install each service individually. With this project, we worked with the county and all the service installs will be made with this project. So I want to make sure I'm clear on what that means, really. So what that means is the distribution pipe, the main pipe that runs down the road, is tapped a small diameter line, what we call a service line or a service lateral, runs to the property, the individual properties, and then in the future, a meter is set there. But basically, it gives you that service right up to the property so you don't have to drive an 18-wheeler with a big piece of equipment over there. You can use much smaller equipment, much less costly. So that's a major benefit in addition to just replacing the components that are already there. I hope that helped answer some of the questions, but I'd be glad to take any that any more that you have. Is there also, <clears throat> um, if I may, is, is there also intrinsic value that's added by uh, lowering the likelihood of emergency services being needed to, uh, to be performed on these pipes? I, that spreadsheet seemed like it was a straight depreciation, but is there value that basically our insurance that we won't have to service these in an emergency type situation? Like, because of these pipes being replaced, they're much less likely to fail, I would assume. Is that something that's true? And it, that'd be hard to measure, of course, but is that an intrinsic benefit of replacing them now? It is. It, it is very much so. Matter of fact, Mr. Klufus, we're, we're seeing that in our community uh, greatly right now because our community, you know, from the beginning of the ITT time frame, if you will, our communities now, some of the older parts of it are 40 and 50 years old. So we're exactly seeing that our costs for maintenance and repairs have gone up over the years because 
the system is aging now. The system is showing more wear and tear on it. So, so uh, yes, Royal sir. Palm is a perfect example. And just to, when you look at the age of the system <clears throat> or its longevity, that's an average, the 100-year you're going to have parts that fail well in advance of that and some later. So it's just an average. You're going to suffer the, uh, the reverse um, depreciation, if you will, of the mechanical parts of the, uh, of the pipeline. So, um, and if you would, uh, I should have said this first. City Council, you had asked me last time we spoke about these interlocals to meet with both the county and our city officials to go through uh, line by line in great detail. I have had meetings and gone through line by line, and I think you'd asked me to come back with an opinion. And I do believe that the, the county has stepped up and offered to um, bear the, the lion's share of all of the expenses involved with this project. And I think on the second to last slide, you'll also see that the revenue produced by the service area, and remember, we are committed to the service area. It's not a choice kind of a thing. The revenue will outpace um, the cost once you do the value-added analysis. So I'll give you my opinion, as you would ask, and I think that we have certainly negotiated our, our best, and, and I would say in good faith, thanks to faith, we've uh, collaborated not just on this project, but I think this sets a tone and a, a step forward for many other projects that we may realize and be able to work together at a savings to the city in the future. So I just want to put that out there. Mayor, uh, did you get a, a number on the renegotiation, the difference between the first number and the now? So I, I can't, I, I don't remember going way back to the beginning of this discussion. I, do you remember what the variance, what it was? Because the, the county came back a second time, there was a discussion. Um, oh, well, it, in the beginning, it really started out where we would fund the whole thing. Right. Um, so so it, it's been a long, if you will, drawn out process of communications between the city and the county uh, to try and, you know, lower that $1.64 million cost down to what it is now and work through some of the additional benefits that we're getting to. And also that, that $600,000 number, is that yearly or? No, no, no. The 600 uh, added value, that would be a one-time thing. One-time thing. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Mayor, I take it you're satisfied with the negotiation? I am, and I'll stand behind. Uh, and again, everybody at the, uh, at the various meetings put the time in, and I think they did the analysis uh, well. And thanks to uh, Mr. Flanagan and again on the county side, Faith, as well. Um, I don't think they missed, uh, missed anything in this, and I appreciate the, uh, the collaboration that I, they showed thank us. Thank you for going out there and having those meetings and saving us some money. It's Appreciate not as it. sexy a subject as we would all like. <laughs> not, but thank you for doing it. But, but I'm sorry, one, one last point, which I think is critical. There are folks that have not had water for some period of time, and just in, in the spirit of, of the city doing its best for all of the residents of uh, Flagler County, they will now have water in the future. Is that correct? That, that is correct. Those folks in that Willow Woods subdivision in the northern portion of the County Barrier Island, they've had some real headaches and heartaches there. I'm sure the county could speak even more so to it because they're the ones that hear it direct. 
uh, more so than we have, but we at the utility have heard direct from some people that either basically can't get water at all or their water is, you know, very brackish and it costs a lot of money to get treatment systems that will actually function and operate and the cost to operate them is much higher as well then. Very good. Thank you. Um, additional questions? Yes. Uh, two, uh, close, one closing question and one statement. Um, I also view this as a little bit more of an investment from our side because these uh, residents are paying the additional service fee uh, for their water. Uh, so I think it's, it'll, it's in our favor to be able to recoup this type of money in this scenario. But I had a question about the uh, nitrogen release from the few maps that you had shown. Is there um, a reasoning behind the heightened uptick in nitrogen release from the septic systems that are uh, beachside? Is there any reasoning behind that? Will it continue to get worse? Um, it will continue to get worse I, and until improvements, additional improvements are made over on the beach. Because basically, Councilman, the maps that you saw are all tied to growth. Yeah. It's additional facilities that are out there. So each additional home is going to create additional impact potentially. So. This is one of the reasons why I'm a major advocate for this project, uh, or at least the county extensions project uh, one, because this gets another major trunk line for us in wastewater up there. So, as I said, there's people calling us now that, that you know, or hoping that this project's completed tomorrow because they want to tie in their pizza shop, they want to tie in their other business. They, and all of that means, okay, we'll take one of those dots off the map now because it's going to become centralized sewer, not right into the groundwater table. Of the, of the, so of although they're the not ride. installing new septic systems, those dread dots, the ones installed before 2001, they're seeing heightened use, which is indicative. Okay, understood. That makes more sense. Thank you. And just to underline that very briefly, <clears throat> the city has a, currently has an initiative to reduce the use of septic systems in the future which ties nicely with initiatives I'm hearing up in Tallahassee uh, for the entire state to move away from this system. It's not sustainable, and this is a step in that direction as well. So any additional questions at this time, Council? Yes, here. Uh, Vice Mayor. <clears throat> okay, I, I, I could see why Steve Flanagan was, uh, is a major advocate for his project. Apparently, we were supposed to pay for the whole project. And uh, the county, in good faith, according to you, Mayor, is paying some money. Uh, the, only th the only concern I had with this is, in such a good faith, uh, the county started this without even letting us know they were starting it, and apparently we only find out when the city came in for the money. That's only the comment I have. Thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Flanagan, do you want to comment on that? I, it, account, uh, Vice Mayor... Yes. Through my discussions, uh, I understand your point. I'm not sure it's quite that simple. There were some timelines and some funding deadlines which necessitated some work to begin before other. And I do believe that there was a communication throughout the, the, the timeline of the project. Um, I also believe that we can probably do better together in the future. I really oh, believe absolutely. this experience absolutely. will help us uh, avoid any any mistakes or communication. Uh, we've really built a, a nice program uh, for future projects. 
I just I just showed you one of my concerns. That was it. Okay. Uh, Thank you. There's no I, I'm not against the project or anything. I just thought that the way it was conducted, okay, in my opinion, the good fate wasn't completely there. But then again, doesn't mean that we're not going from here on strictly deal in good faith. Because that's what we have to do. We we all elected officials, we gotta do it the proper way. We gotta be able to understand each other. The last the last meeting I believe I motioned for us to go back to the county to get a little more money. I don't know what will, whatever happened at Pembroke Joe meetings, you we get a little more money. That's well, I think uh, Mr. Flanagan has said before, if we go back to the beginning of the project, um, the county has uh, stepped up to pay the lion's share of the entire project. So um, that's that's the way the negotiation has concluded, um, and both the county and the city have agreed that it's a uh, a fair and equitable uh, use of the county's funds to pay for the project. And remember the revenue generated from the special service district at a premium um, will uh, nullify our expense over a relatively short period of time. Okay. Thank you. Very good. Any other questions? Nope. Okay. Um, at this time, I would ask the public, uh, does anyone have any uh, questions or comment at this time? Uh, Mike Martin from Palm Coast. I just want to make sure I understand that, because I know you've said there have been commercial property owners that are eager to connect this. Is, will this be available to residential owners as well, or is it limited to the commercial owners? Sir, we'll answer, we're going to take public comment from everybody, and then we'll answer all the questions. Are there any other members of the public that would like to comment at this time? Okay, seeing none, would you like to? I think Steve has an answer for that. I'd be glad to take that, Mayor. Um, yes and no. <laughs> uh, the commercial properties that are uh, immediately along A1A or Malacompra uh, Road, and I'm not sure there are any on Malacompra other than the county facilities, uh, would potentially be able to connect as soon as these improvements are installed. So that's why I said some of the folks that are on A1A with their businesses or proposed business will be in to talk to us as soon as they really see this thing moving forward because they can start their design while we're in the design and construction process of the wastewater improvements. The residential is a little different animal. The residential will require a design of specific areas for for additional improvements uh, in the city my opinion would be that the city and the county along with either state or federal funding would need to take place to actually convert some of the residential neighborhoods over to centralized sewer because you'll you'll see some of this stuff happen in the news sometimes where a smaller subdivision or something converts from septic over to a centralized sewer system and it's fairly costly for the individual residents that's why you know grant funding is really almost a necessary animal to get the residential component over to centralized sewer or you you get in the neighborhood of talking about 
twenty, thirty thousand dollars a lot to connect over to the centralized sewer based on the infrastructure improvements that are necessary. The commercial can happen much easier, and the commercial owners would be the ones basically uh, paying the infrastructure costs to make those happen. The residential are a bigger animal to work together to solve that. But ultimately, that is one of the things that by having the trunk force main out on the A1A and the beach side, it, that starts to allow that process to move forward to be successful in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comment? Um, I'll uh, uh, close public comment at this time, come back to City Council. Faith, I didn't, I didn't invite you to the podium. Did you want to make a, a brief summary on the process? Just uh, I figure the best for last, right? Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning, Faith Al-Khatib, Flagler County Engineer. <clears throat> Thank you first for taking, care the, uh, for taking care of this issue for us. It's been really a long, long process. We have been working on this project for the last five years. The first phase of this project, there was some utility conflicts there, and Flagler County, they did take care of that issue for the city pound cost. Uh, it was a very small amount, $50,000. We drafted an interlocal agreement three, four years ago between us and the city pound cost. And again, because of the cost was really very low and we have the resources to offset that cost, we did take care of it. At this time, we are really moving forward with this project. Our goal is it's the same goal here, do the best for the residents of Flagler County. We do appreciate you, and we always try to do our best to get these things done with the most cost effective for all of us. We try to get as much grants funding as possible to do this project. This project, total cost, it was approximately 15 to 16 million dollar. So for the utility, the water utility conflicts, the city pump costs are paying approximately maybe three or four percent of the total project cost. We did our best to offset it by a million dollar, by grant funding, by some assessment, and here we do appreciate you, and we are looking forward to keep working with you, and thank you so much. Thank you. Very good. Thank you for that, uh, Faith. Um, we're going to be seeing this again in the, we're going to have a quick meeting after this workshop to move forward on a vote on this issue. So any, any final questions about this project? Pretty clear to everybody. A lot of work uh, in these presentations. We appreciate staff's efforts. Um, you got my attention through the various meetings and made me look at the, uh, at the line items. So I appreciate your, your efforts and um, your drive to uh, help City Council understand all of that. Very thank, good. Thank you for your time, Mayor, and I uh, appreciate the Council. Okay, we'll move uh, to the final, no, item number five. Um, Renina, if you would. Good morning, Mayor, City Council. I just wanted to give a brief update on where we are with the executive search. I am working with procurement, and we will be sending, or I will be sending Council a draft request for quote by the end of the year for us to review or for you to review and comment at the first workshop at the first of the year. 
questions at this time? What's our next uh, approximate next date when we'll discuss the issue? Uh, the first workshop in January. First workshop in January. Thank you. Questions? Okay. I would uh, invite the public. Uh, any uh, Vice Mayor, any uh, comment or question? No, no, sir. No, no. Very good. No. Um, public comment. Does anyone from the public wish to comment on this item at this time? Seeing none, I will close public comment. Back to City Council. No further questions? Very good. Okay. Next item, F, is uh, there are no written items. Thank you for that. And now I will open up uh, for final public participation. Are there <clears throat> any members of the public that would like to speak um, for items not previously addressed at this time? Sorry, Mr. Mayor and uh, Council. I just wanted to, for clarification of the record, while I did mention that I am the district manager at Grand Haven, I'm the vice president of DPFG Management and Consulting, and I'm here to represent and on the team for Seminole Palm. So I just was hoping that the record would accurately reflect that Howard McGaffney is uh, vice president of DPFG MC. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, any other members of the public at this time? Seeing none, I'll close this portion of public participation. Um, do any city council members have uh, discussion on any matters not on the agenda today? I'm done. Seeing none, very good, thank you. Um, and the city attorney, Mr. Reichman. Nothing, Mr. Mayor. And finally, does the interim city manager have a comment? No, thank you, Mayor. Very good, then I would ask for a... Uh, a motion to adjourn. Make the motion. Motion to adjourn. Motion and a second. All in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 We will. We have closed this meeting.